I actually wrote a personal mission statement for myself. And now whenever anything comes up, I can just relate back to that and say, is this in alignment with what I'm trying to do? And if it is great, if not, then I let it go. And once I started doing that, just my whole world changed. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with our audience, and growing our business. Before we get into this week's interview, I just want to highlight a blog post that I just put up at femusician.com. It's about how performing at a major venue killed my music career and also jump-started it all in the same night. It's a pretty interesting story, and it goes deep into the nitty-gritty of my personal music career, and I think you'll really enjoy kind of going through the journey with me and discovering myself as an artist. So if you want to check that out, it's over there at femusician.com on the blog page. You might want to go over there just to see the embarrassing pictures of me in a magical group in high school with my very 80s hair, and then a picture of me from an alternative rock band that I dabbled in, and that's kind of what the story is about. So go check that out. Now on to my interview with Audrey Callahan, and there were some surprising stories that she told that I was really impressed with. So you're definitely going to want to stay around and listen to all that she has to say about the experiences that she's had growing her music career over the past few years, as well as the program that she started basically to help her with a problem that she had with her music career. And then it ended up helping a lot of other people and it continues to help other people in the San Diego area called the Ultimate Entertainer Workshop. Audrey was born in Long Beach, California and currently resides in Austin, Texas. Over the years, she gained experience as a singer and performer via cover bands, singing competitions, and girl groups until a few years ago, she made a conscious decision to move forward with her music career at full speed and begin to release her own original music. Audrey is inspired by producing meaningful content, making deep connections, and helping others achieve their own level of personal greatness. Here's my interview with Audrey Callahan. So that's a little bit about Audrey Callahan. So Audrey, is there anything that you want to tell our listeners about yourself that's maybe a little more personal that's not in your bio? Um, Sure. I'd say that one thing maybe a lot of people know about me just because they see it um, on my Facebook is that I have an extreme case of wanderlust. I move mm. a lot and not just for vacation, just um, actually moving. So I, I'd say about every three or four years, I'm in a new place. <laughs> And uh, the fact that my uh, husband also has a case of wanderlust, we kind of, um, you know, struggle with that together. But um, it's exciting. I like being able to experience new places. We both grew up in the military, uh, so we just moved a lot. Um, He was born in Sicily and I lived in Egypt for three years. And it's just um, it's kind of in our blood to wander around. So. Yeah, you found that in your spouse, because if one of you wanted to move all the time and one of you didn't, that would be a serious issue. Yeah. Yes. 
Well, um, you know, I, I can relate because I, I was just thinking I've almost lived in this house for four years and I've never lived in any house longer than four years in my entire life. So I'm like, oh my gosh, am I really settling down at age 43? You know? I know. Yeah. There's something just so permanent about it. I don't know what it is. I just, um, we just get the itch every couple of years and want to experience something new. So we are going to eventually buy a home and have, you know, a home base, but I think that'll just be our launching pad to go other places. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Well, so how did you get started in music? Well, that would be it kind of I didn't really, I guess, stand a chance to not do music. My dad is a fabulous musician. He plays guitar and um, and sings and all that stuff. And my mom is like the utmost embodiment of a stage mom. She um, is Colombian by nature. And so they all, you know, love to dance and at family functions, they have talent shows and, and things like that. So just growing up, I just was always thrust into the limelight to be performing. So um, I caught the bug at as early as age two, there's video of me performing and dancing and singing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so how did you kind of progress from there into doing it a little bit more, you know, professionally? Did you, did you do a lot in high school? Did you do it music in college? Yeah, from there, I always did it for fun. I never really took it serious till later in life. I always wanted to, but you know how that goes. It's kind of um, a lofty kind of dream that you tend to get talked out of if you are hanging around certain people at a younger age. So I did it mainly for fun. And yeah, I would uh, sign up for any school functions I could do. And I remember the first big show that I did was at this one high school and it was a talent show and it was for the multicultural festival. And I sang a song in Spanish and afterwards everyone came up to me and they were like, you were lip syncing. Like, there's no way that was you. And they made me sing in the hallway on the spot. And I'm like, let me hear it. <laughs> and so I did. And they were like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And so I just, I had just been singing my entire life. Anything I could get my hands on, I would do. Um, but yeah, the, the serious part of it didn't come till later in life. One side. That's kind of fun when you can surprise people like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I had no idea you had that hidden talent. Yeah. That's funny that you say surprise. Cause it was like a party trick pretty much for growing up. Like my friends, once they knew if we were at a gathering or something, they're like, Oh, you got to listen to this. And they'd stop the music. They're like, how'd you sing? And even at like work, people would do that to me. And, and just, it was just a party trick for a long time. <laughs> That's funny. Well, so how did you move into that? I really want to do this more professionally. I actually have a lot of students that that ends up happening. Like they think, oh, it's a pipe dream and they just, they get settled. They, you know, have kids or have a job or whatever. And then like all of a sudden, like at some point the passion just hits them and they're like, I can't not do this. Yeah. So when did that happen for you? I just couldn't take it anymore, really. Like I would be watching, you know, award shows and things like that of people, um, you know, being, you know, commemorated for their songwriting or this and that or music videos that would come out that would really touch me. And I just knew that that's what I wanted. And it got to the point where, you know, I would like shed tears when I would see things like that. And I'm like, why aren't I doing this? Like, just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I know why it's scary. I don't have the money. I mean, start to list the ways, but I decided to start focusing on what I could do to make it happen and just started to take baby steps. But the turning point for me was how emotional I would get not doing it. It hurt too much not to do it than to just try. So I did. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's, that's a serious quotable because I, I do, I hear that from people a lot. Like I tried to ignore it. I tried to sweep it under the rug. Everyone said it was ridiculous. 
but then there was a point where I just, I just felt so uncomfortable in my skin, not expressing myself in that way. Right. Yes, exactly. So when, how long ago was that for you? Um, I'd say about four years. So it hasn't been that long. So you're a musical baby kind of. I am. It's, it's <laughs> crazy. I am such a musical baby, even though I've been doing it my whole life when it comes to having chops in the industry and, you know, awards and releases. And I mean, I'm about to release my third song now. Like that's, that's nothing in the big scheme of things. But I did record all five at once and I had the intention of releasing the whole EP, but these were the first songs I'd ever written in my whole life. And they meant a lot to me. And I, I didn't want to throw them all on a CD and then just hope people listen to them. So I'm really taking my time with it. I got done recording them probably a year and a half now at this point. And I'm only releasing just the third now because it's just taking me that long to really craft the message and, and have launch plans for each one and, and hashtag campaigns and um, just build the message around each one. I think once I'm done doing that with these, then I'll maybe come out with, with a fuller, you know, version of one thing that'll sell maybe, you know, six songs all at the same time. But for now, I'm just, I'm really having a really great time releasing each song on its own and talking about it and giving its moment in the spotlight for several months. I knew there was a reason I had you, I knew there was a reason I had you on the show because, (laughs) you know, when this is airing, I will have released something that goes very, talks a lot about this, about huh. don't just throw your music out there and hope that somebody buys it, somebody finds it without having a plan. And so I'm so glad that you have a plan yes. about each one. And like you said, you want to take your time. And you know, sometimes we can get bogged down and overwhelmed and stuff. We don't want that either in perfection syndrome. But on the other hand, you clearly have a plan to launch each song. You want to craft a message and a promotion. And I love that. Yes. Yeah, each one um, serves its own purpose. And um, I started a hashtag campaign around uh, my last single. It's called I Dare You to Dream. And so I asked everyone the question, if money weren't an issue, what would you do with your life? And don't just answer it and throw it out in the air. Put it on paper because funny things happen when you write down your goals on paper. And so I had them write down what they you know, wanted to do if they answered that question. And so lots of people did. And they put the hashtag on it and they posted their pictures on Instagram and Facebook. And I wrote blog posts about them and helped share their message and their goals and what they're trying to do. And that campaign went on forever before I even launched um, the actual single. And by the time I launched the single, then I put all of their pictures as the album cover. It was made up of, of everyone's Oh, pictures. that's so cool. It was I just a ton of fun. That. And I want to do that with all of these. So, <laughs> so I'm going to. So when you're releasing each one of these singles as a campaign, did you already build up your fan base or were you kind of building that up through these campaigns and these hashtags and people were sharing them and that kind of thing? I built it up through the campaigns because when I first started, um, I didn't really have any fans. I mean, I had my family and my friends and things like that. And, and, you know, the random uh, followers on Instagram and whatnot. And I had, you know, some page likes, but through these campaigns is what really brought my fan base um, to a new level because it allowed me to interact with them, not just about the music. Cause I feel like there's a lot of people out there putting music out there. So I feel like the campaigns help differentiate me from them because we started a dialogue. Um, I first connected with with them about their dreams and who doesn't want to talk about their dreams and their goals. I mean, everybody. It's kind of a scary subject to put it out there what you're trying to do. So when you have someone support you, um, it's exciting and it's nice to be able to find people that have that same mindset. So I just 
cultivated this audience of people with similar mindsets and we all just supported each other. And so by the time the music came out, it was almost an afterthought, which sounds bad because um, obviously you want your music to be the focus, but but the campaign was just so exciting and so fun and successful that by the time the music came out, um, naturally, they were going to want to be involved and listen and share it. And a lot of them made it onto the cover of the album. So, of course, that's another cool perk. Um, so, yeah, when I started the campaign, I didn't even have the album cover done yet. I didn't have the music video done yet. <laughs> I didn't have anything. And um, I just started it and was like, OK, if I put it out there, then this has to happen. I have to get it together. The song was done. So that's good. It was mastered and mixed and, and everything. So I started the campaign before that and I built the fan base, put them on my album cover and then released it. And it was awesome. That was one of my That is favorite. really smart, <laughs> putting them on the, the album cover. Did, did you come up with that idea on your own? I did. I, I love it. I was because um, I had all their pictures. I, I got them all off the Internet because I would talk about them. I would share their pictures on my social profiles. I would make blog posts about them. This the whole campaign was really about them. And um once it was time to release the single, I'm like, OK, album cover. And I don't know. I just personally am not huge into like taking pictures and modeling and being in music videos. It's just I mean, it's cool, but it's not like my favorite thing to do in the world. And I was like, why? I don't need to be on this cover. Like this whole thing was about them and and the idea of going for your dreams like that has nothing to do with me personally. It has to do with everybody. So let me put them on there. And it just made it so much easier. <laughs> Mm, I totally get it. That's that is really smart. And it's such a way to tie your fans to you. I mean, they're going to remember you forever because of that, especially because they're on the album cover. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want to create with all of my songs. You know, that song um, spoke to the dreamers of the world. Uh, my first release was um, about personal relationships and, and finding your soulmate and what that really means. It's not, you know, butterflies and the guy on the white horse. And that's just all the stuff you see in the movies. There's so much more you need to think about and consider. And so that song spoke to, you know, people that might be dealing with relationship type stuff. And so every song relates to a different audience. And so I feel like each one needs to have its own moment to do that. Absolutely. So you're more creating like a platform versus just being a musician. Right. Yes, exactly. Which I think is great. So at this point, do you consider yourself a full-time musician or you still have another job on the side? Um, one of your interviewees said this so perfectly and I relate. I am a full-time musician with a part-time musician's income. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I definitely put... Um, full-time work into it, but my full-time income actually comes from my web business that I started with my husband seven years ago. And we work for ourselves from home. And so that's nice, flexible schedule. We have uh, two partners on board now and they fully understand what I'm, you know, doing over here with my music. So if I need to take off for, you know, when I was recording my EP, the producers could only work on Fridays. And so every Friday I head off for like, you know, months and, you know, it's just really flexible. Everybody's supportive. And I learned so much in this business, the web business that relates to my music. Um, you know, I can build my own websites, do my own graphics. I have a ton of marketing experience now. And it's just I feel like it is related, even though it is unrelated, because it was teaching me all the things I need to do now, which is pretty. Oh, I, I think it is related because, I mean, I can tell your savvy level of marketing are, is already so much higher than most <laughs> that I know, you know, just even thinking of doing these campaigns around your songs and the hashtag campaign and all that. I'm sure just being around the web community yes. has, has done that for you. So I think you already have kind of a leg up on the business side and, you know, you run a business, so that helps too. Yeah. Knowing 
your music is a business. Right. I absolutely treat it like a business. And even when it comes to, you know, meeting deadlines for other people in regards to my music, whether it be my producers or showing up on time for this or that, or just being in communication and, and all that, I'm constantly keeping people up to date on what's going on. And so, yeah, it's just, it, it has bred this whole, you know, entrepreneurial business minded thread through everything that I do, which is great. Which is why I have you on the show. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. So do you have any stories that you can tell to, you know, a lot of our musicians listening are really struggling, kind of frustrated, feel like they've hit a wall. Are there any times that you were like that and then you were able to push through, you know, could you tell a story that would really encourage and inspire them and what you learned? Yeah, I would say um, back when I struggled most with all of this was when I didn't know my why. I would just kind of, I suffered from what I like to call bright, shiny object syndrome. And I would just say yes to any and everything music related. And I would just find myself in all these situations that just seemed cool on the surface because singing was involved, but it wasn't cool in my heart. <laughs> you know, it didn't mm. fulfill me. I I was in, you know, I was the lead singer of a burlesque production for a whole year. And, and yes, that was fun. But my goal in life isn't to wear scantily clad outfits and sing sexual songs, you know, for everybody. That's just not my thing. It was it was fun. And, and I, I did it. And um, but when I finally realized why I'm doing this was really to connect with people. I thrive on making deep connections, um, hence the hashtag campaigns. It's almost like that comes first before the music. And that's what fuels my music is the connection. So I actually wrote a personal mission statement for myself. And now whenever anything comes up, I can just relate back to that and say, is this in alignment with what I'm trying to do? And if it is great, if not, then I let it go. And once I started doing that, just my whole world changed. I was so busy back then, but not productive. Now I'm productive mm. and purpose driven, which is a much better place to be. So, Oh, absolutely. I feel like the stars are aligning here because when I was saying I was, I was doing, you know, some special episodes right before this is going to air that is another thing that I'm talking about in those episodes in, you know, encouraging people to write down their why. Yes. Because like you said, so many people, they just, I love to sing or, you know, people encourage you because you have this talent, but like, what would you do with it if you had it? Right. Why, why are you building it? Right. So that's really, really important. I'm glad you brought that up. So are there any events that have occurred in the last four years since you've been really serious about this? that have kind of pro propelled you, you know, further along just because of that one thing that happened. Yes. It's like the funniest and most like crazy thing ever. Um, it was in, like during the course of one week, I went viral on two separate videos. I'll talk about the one that was just the most interesting um, scenario to me. It was for my first single, Better Me For Me. And I went on a cruise. It was a family cruise uh, for seven days in the Mexican Riviera. And before we went on this cruise, my husband came to me because, you know, we run our business together, the web business. And so he's entrepreneurial minded. And he told me to bring flyers for my music. And I was like, really? <laughs> I got a cruise? And he was like, yeah, I've heard that they're great networking opportunities. He, you know, I'm going to bring business cards for the web business. And I think you should bring some flyers for your music. I was like, OK. 
And so I did. And I just kept them in my purse or whatever the whole time. And so on the ship, they had these uh, karaoke nights um, pretty much every night. And I would show up a lot of the times. And it turned out during those karaoke nights, they were taking tally of who the best singers on the ship were. And then they were going to put them all in a head to head battle in their big theater setting at the end of the cruise. And so, oh <laughs> and so, um, I got picked here. You thought you were on vacation. I know. Right. right? <laughs> and so I got picked of course. And then, um, uh, it was the last day before, you know, the next day we're all leaving. And so everybody's gathering in the theater for this head to head battle. And when they're, um, introducing us, they ask us, you know, where we're from, what we do. And one of the girls in the competition, um, she said she was a YouTuber and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like, um, I love YouTube. I'm, I'm starting to get into the business side of it. I don't watch a lot of vlogs unless it's related to entrepreneur type stuff. Um, she was a lifestyle blogger, so you know I hadn't heard of her, but um, apparently she had a lot of influence. Come to find out, so mm. the competition's over, and I go over to her afterwards just to congratulate her because she did amazing, and she had three of her friends with her who come to find out all three of them are YouTubers in their own accord, all with massive followings, and wow, they all were like, "Oh my God, we loved you! Like, where can we find you?" And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I have a flyer," <laughs> and so I handed them the flyer, and then. And um, I forgot to even take a picture. Like, what kind of, you know, social person am I? I didn't even take a picture with mm. them. Um, but that's kind of, you know, you have those nights when those moments that it's just so good that you forget to take a picture. So yeah. I was with them and we ended up talking for a while about all kinds of stuff. They were talking to me about their YouTube success and how they got there. I was talking to them about um, Better Me For Me, which is single, which was, you know, about love. And they had relationship questions. And so I'm like, they were like calling me their life guru. And it was just hilarious. And I left. I didn't take a picture. And I'm like, oh, well, that was a cool experience. And then on my way off the ship, they, they were there. I saw them again. And um, we did end up getting a picture. And they told me that they had filmed a reaction video to my music. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not even sure what that means, but cool. <laughs> and I didn't know what their channels were or anything. And then about a week later, one by one, their videos start coming out. Um, and they have like a million plus subscribers, my gosh. like crazy. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just one of them posting the videos. All three of them recorded their own video, listening to my song, reacting to my song, telling people where to buy my song, telling people that, you know, I was their relationship life guru and I, they need to go find me and like all this stuff. And so three videos come out and my phone at the time, I had my YouTube notifications come to me because I rarely get them. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> and, um, and all of a sudden it was just like, ding, 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 ding. I was like, oh my oh God, my phone gosh. is broken. And so I pick up my phone and there's like 300 notifications. I'm like, what? And I'm looking at it and it's like, new comment, new subscriber, new comment, new subscriber. New blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what the heck? And so I, I deleted, went through them. I was deleting them. And then if I walked away from my phone for like a minute, 400 new ones would come up. And so oh after this craziness, um, it did relate into iTunes sales, which I was very thankful for. And, um, but also just my subscriber count went from like 379, which took me so long to get to 2,500 subscribers. And then um, my video went from like 3,000 views to 25,000 views, all within the matter of like a week. And um, and then again, the iTunes sales played into that too. Um, I wrote them all and just thanked them so much, like offered to send them gifts and for sprinkling their magical fairy dust on me. Um, even just, you know, the comments on the videos and, and tweets, quoting my lyrics. And it was just nuts. It was like the most wow. amazing two weeks of my life and gave me kind of like an insight into what the future could be like. And, and the biggest thing for me is when people quote my lyrics, because as a newbie songwriter, I just always, you know, 
have this goal of wanting to be really great at it, but being so new at it that I'm not sure. And so to see people connecting on that level is what really gets me. And I was just, oh my gosh, cloud nine. Oh, that confirmation <laughs> is awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So let me ask you a marketing question about this. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Yes. Did you have a way to capture those people from your YouTube page to your own fan email list when they came and subscribed to your YouTube channel? Like, I you know, some don't. kind of link to... Yeah, I don't. I have. Um, I always put, you know, the subscribe. Uh, oh, I guess the subscribe button, duh. But um, there's, yeah, in my links there. I don't have my newsletter. I have a newsletter, but I didn't put it in there. Thanks, Bree. Because I, I always <laughs> no. I always advise people to put that on the very top yeah. line of the description before anything about this video was shot. Blah blah blah. This person, this person, you know, or anything about your lyrics or anything. Put that, you know, if you want, you know, either a free copy of this song or more music like this, or you know, want to find out when I'm going to be in your area or whatever you want to type there, yeah. put that link right there. Um, so you can see it on every video that you have. As soon as we're done with this call, I'm going to all my video descriptions. <laughs> and and, and you know what? It, I have to admit, so it's funny because I, I give this advice to all my students and everything. And then the other day I was getting some critique on my Pinterest account. And, you know, the girl, she's kind of a, a Pinterest guru. And, and she's like, oh, you need to have a way for people to subscribe to you from your Pinterest account or your freebie or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this is advice I give to everyone. And I didn't even realize that I didn't have it on my own account. So it's really easy to kind of overlook things. Yeah, there's so many things to think about. Like I recently uh -huh. got into affiliate linking. Um, I get a lot of questions about the equipment that I use in my singing videos. And I'm always telling people, this is the microphone, this is the cable, this is the... And I'm like, I should like get a kickback from these companies for doing this. So I did. And I went on Amazon and created an affiliate account. And the products that couldn't be you know, bought on there, I wrote to the company specifically and got links. And so I've started doing that. But there's just so many things. <laughs> there are. There's so, many, and there's so many ways to have to link. I mean, the biggest thing that you need to do is just have every single thing linked back to your own website yeah. in some way. So you've got like a central hub, you know, because there's so many ways people can find you. Right. Good advice. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That, I mean, that story just blew me away so much. I'm almost <laughs> like off script, like, oh my gosh, like, that was just so cool. I and know. Moral of that story, bring your stuff with you everywhere. Even if you don't think that you're going to meet anybody, have something. You know, I have little business cards that fit into my wallet and I'll carry, you know, like 15 at a time with me at all times because you just never know who you're going to meet or what's going to happen. Absolutely. So I want to actually start asking you about kind of the way that I met you. I mean, I met you through your music, but also finding out that you created this ultimate entertainer workshop. I just think that that is really cool. It's such a great thing to serve singers out there. And I just wanted to know like what made you decide to create it and, you know, just to talk about what it is and, and, you know, how you designed it specifically to serve singers. Yeah. So this thing kind of happened by accident. And now it's like my favorite thing in the whole world. But um, how it happened was I was in cover bands for a while and I would notice that when I'm on stage, if I moved around too much or, you know, did too many things, I would get out of breath a lot, you know, and my my vocal would suffer. So as a consequence, I would just try and, you know, if a difficult note is coming or, or just in general to save stamina, I wouldn't move around so much. And then on top of that, just um, just overall comfort of moving on stage. I feel like I didn't get too adventurous with the types of things that I would do. 
um, I was in, uh, it was kind of like a party band. So we'd do clubs and weddings and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, I just felt like I was doing the same kind of moves over and over again. And I was like, you know, I really want to join a dance class because I feel like if I improved my dancing skills, then that would naturally relate into my stage performance. I would just be more fluid. And so I'm looking for dance classes and I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool if there's one where you could sing while you're dancing, because ultimately that's like the number one issue that I was having was doing both. Like when I was in the burlesque group, uh, I had to sing and dance obviously at the same time, but we never practiced doing it in rehearsals. Like the like we would, but the person's voice was always on the track. And so I wasn't hearing in my ear what I was sounding like. And come to find out that it's really difficult to sound amazing and move amazing at the same time. And so I learned a lot during that production. And so I was looking for a dance class that where you could sing out loud and not be looked at weird and it just didn't exist. So I called, (laughs) (laughs) I called my friend and, um, she had just joined a band and I was like, Sheena, I'm having this problem. You too. And she was like, yes. And I was like, if I found someone to teach us how to dance and sing at the same time, would you join me? And she was like, yeah, totally. I was like, okay. And so, um, you know, just being the web developer and presentation person that I am, I built it before I had it. (laughs) And so I just made a little extension off my music website and I came up with a name for it. You know, the ultimate entertainer, you know, we're just going to be so badass at performing. And I, uh, it was just a little one pager. I made a logo for it. And then I posted it on my Facebook and I was like, Hey guys, like I'm, I'm, I want to come out with this thing. Would you be interested in joining if it does in fact come to life? And lots of people started getting on the list and I'm like, okay, so now I have people. So now I need to find someone to teach it. That's so. very, very good. <laughs> Proof of concept is important before you start like investing a ton in it. Right. right. I felt like if I just put a one liner, Hey, would you guys want to do this? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I felt like that just wasn't good enough. I needed to make something look good and to have their emails in one spot. And and so that's Mm -hmm. what I did. And then I reached out to my friends to see if I could find a choreographer. And one of my dancer friends got me in touch with this woman named Jamie Wally Villalobos. And, um, it was just a dream come true. Uh, she took this class to heights that I can't even imagine. I showed her my little landing page and what was going on. And she was like, yes, I love this concept. It actually is a big issue in the industry that a lot of, um, singers, they don't know how to perform. There's just so many things that go into it. That's just beyond just the singing. And she actually does this with artists and she's been on tour with Wiz Khalifa and Miguel and all these crazy people. And here she is loving my concept and saying that she mm. would love to partner with me because she owns a dance studio and, or, or, you know, has one for her. And this is what she does full time. And I didn't, my plan was to get the teacher, get the students based off the students, find a studio that I could rent. You know, I was, who knows what was going to happen, but I was going to do it. (laughs) And so luckily she um, was like, yeah, I have the studio. Like, let's do this. Let's come up with a game plan. So we just had meetings over the course of weeks and she incorporated so much more into it. Like um, we'll do things in class. Like it turns out she'll watch us perform, you know, doing the choreography. And it turns out that my other arm, like the right arm, there's a whole section on what to do with the other arm. And my right arm, apparently I paint with it. And I didn't realize that I did that. Like when I'm singing, it just kind of floats out there. And I, I paint pictures and, and um, I'll pantomime a lot, which means I'll do literal movements like, you know, like, oh, there's the sun. And I point at the sky and like, you know, so there's just so many ways to emote that don't have to be so literal. And um, there's just that sounds extremely familiar to me. I remember <laughs> 
doing stuff like that. Yeah. And and there's just more purposeful things you could be doing with your arms. Like if she um, encouraged us to look at our photos or performance videos. And when someone snaps a picture of you performing, is the picture the same every time? For me, it was like my hand was usually just out to the right hanging out. <laughs> and after her, like I remember I did a performance. I'd been in the class for, I don't know, maybe like six months at this point because I personally take the class, obviously. And um, someone snapped a picture of me at a show and my legs were like shoulder width apart. My hand, my arm with my microphone was like up in the air. And then my other arm was on my hip. And I was like doing this like Beyonce badass pose. And they snapped it from above. And I was like, oh, my oh. God, I look like a superstar. And like that just <laughs> I never would have felt comfortable just doing something so simple like that. And it became second nature after working with her and things like, you know, when I was performing, she'd noticed that I would be looking at the tops of heads a lot or in between faces because she would have the whole class sit down and we would have big performances, invite friends. And so and she would critique us, you know, watch and take notes. And and so she did this whole exercise to help me and others figure out how to make eye contact more and feel more comfortable with it. So she'd start out partnering, partnering you with one person and you'd stand there in silence and have to stare into their eyes for about 30 seconds. <laughs> and then after that, you would have to start singing an acapella song. And then after that, one more person would join the group. Now you had to be singing this acapella looking into both people's eyes and then another person would join. So now you're looking into three eyes. And as a singer, most of everyone knows that when you sing to small groups, it's so much more terrifying than a huge stadium for whatever right. reason. So just little things like that and introducing yourself, how to not be so just like blase between your songs and what to talk about. And, and, oh, and what if thank you for that, one. that drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah. And just to be how to relate to your audience and engage with them. And, and, um, even if there's someone who's being difficult, like she would even like be like, eh, you know, like boo or whatever she would heckle us sometimes. And, or, you know, while we're doing our routines, she would just like, you know, do a split in front of us and we'd have to do the choreographer around her. So you're getting used to, cause there could be a mic cable on the ground that you didn't anticipate. Oh, yeah. And now what? You you can't just be like, oh, God. So it's just it's insane. It is boot camp for singers. Quite literally, we do jumping jacks while singing, warm up exercises, crawls across the floor while singing. It just takes oh, your gosh, live performances awesome. to the next level like no one can imagine. So, oh, wow. All that physical stuff sounds really good. But I also think just learning what to say and what not to say. I mean, I remember going to a performance once and the guy was like, yeah, this is one of my favorite songs off the album, blah, blah. But I don't really like how it turned out. Like, I didn't like how the, the producers recorded it and the mix. And so, oh, okay, so here it is. And I'm like, yeah, I really want to listen to it now. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. She would call things out like that. And and she would say things like, you know, she was really about storytelling, not just like, oh, this is a song. This is what it's about. Okay, let me sing it. It's like, no, it's like, where were you when you wrote it? What was going on? Can someone relate? Like, ask the audience. Can anyone relate when, you know, and you just speak <laughs> to them like they're family? She would always tell us to treat your audience like they're your family. And how would you talk to them? And oh, I, I love and it. Things, I, I, and words like, I hope you like it. She hated that phrase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so whenever we would say that, she's like, no, nope, find a new phrase. <laughs> We're like, okay. <laughs> Just, I know. I, I've tried to get rid of the word hope out of a lot of things, even in my writing. I'm like, yeah. I'm like I know you're going to like this, or right. I'm sure you're going to like this, or, you know, just come from a position of confidence, yes. I think. Yes. Well, so what do you see for the future of the workshop? How long has it been going on? And, you know, how do you expect to keep it going? Yeah, um, it's been going for two years now. Um, there's six week sessions and we take little breaks in between in the beginning. It kind of depends on on where everyone's at. A lot of times, you know, maybe half of our class will be going on like, 
you know, not tour because um, many of them are either, you know, beginning careers or, or in high school sometimes or but, you know, a lot of times people are busy. We'll take a longer break and start up. But it's been around for two years and it started in San Diego. That's where it currently is. We want to grow it to other locations. We have hopes of franchising it one day. I actually moved out of the San Diego area and it was really emotional for me for the workshop to go on without me. You know, I saw the first class starting and I wasn't there and and just being a big connection person. That was part of the fun for me was, you know, I get these phone calls from these potential students and they tell me what their issues are with performing and they really want to do it, but they have this fear. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have to join this class. And they do. And I'm always there on the first day, like, hey, you know, giving hugs and we've already built this rapport and I couldn't be there and it just hurt me not to be there. <sighs> but then I knew that this was preparing me for bigger things. I need to learn to run this workshop while not being physically there. And so that's what I've been doing. There's been two sessions now have passed without me there and they've been going off flawlessly. So that's a good sign. And what's funny is someone called me. I live in Austin now. Um, someone called me and was like, Hey, I'm going to bring my daughter to San Diego for the summer. Cause we really want to take your workshop. Um, what are your dates? And so I was talking to her and I was like, oh, so where are you from? And she's like, Austin. I'm like, what? Oh. <laughs> I live in Austin. She's like, oh, so they're here? And I'm like, no, they're not here yet. <laughs> but um, but you're on the list. So I really want to start one here uh, for me <laughs> and and for anyone else who's interested. Well, and there's so many singer songwriters that live in Austin. Yes. I was, you know, little- I was actually wondering if there would be like some other thing that already happened that's, that's similar to this. But I actually don't hear a lot. Other than, you know, Tom Jackson, I don't hear a lot of people doing this, you know, performance coaching kind of thing. Right. And I did look up Tom Jackson because I did a lot of research and I never found his for whatever reason. I think also the difference is, is because we do have a Frontman series now. There's a Showstopper series, and that's the one that kind of the Ultimate Entertainer got founded on, which is you incorporate dance. And I never found anything that incorporated dance and singing there. Tom mm-hmm. Jackson's and maybe others who I don't know of do the live performance end, which is, you know, set lists and, and talking in between songs and, and stage presence and stuff. But just the coordination of singing and dancing, um, I couldn't find anywhere. So I was wondering if anyone in Austin would be interested in that branch, um, because here is very singer songwriter driven and not so much like pop superstar driven. <laughs> so I wasn't sure, but um, obviously there's one and I'm sure there is. So I'm just going to do what I did the first time and put the feelers out there, start a list and see who's interested and and then be able to be in the class again. It's kind of daunting um, because Jamie is so amazing. Like, I feel like she just is the workshop, mm. just finding another person. But she's written manuals and and all kinds of stuff. And so she would be training the next person that, you know, would take her place. So so it, it would be great. I know. So I just got to do it. So here and then also L.A. and New York will be targeting eventually mm. be good places. That would be awesome. Of course, it's never Fresno. I live in Yosemite, so <laughs> I'm always like, can't you come to Fresno? I'm like, no. <laughs> I would love to franchise it. I'm not sure what all goes into that and how it works. But if, you know, I have a friend in Maryland who is a dancer who sings. And I was like, you should just start one over there. Like, I don't I don't know what that means. Like, take our logo. We'll add you to our site and just start one because it's right up your alley. So I feel like I feel like we could franchise it and and grow that way. I'm just I'm not sure. I'm not ready to let go in that way yet. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll build our own. Um, and well, you issue. completely could. I mean, it's kind of like what I'm doing with the Women of Substance Showcase. I mean, I haven't been at one since 2012 or something, huh. but I've got people in other locations that are like, oh, I'd really love to do this. And so, you know, I help coordinate the artists and I help the promotion, but I, I'm never there. Hmm. And, you know, if people are willing to do the work. Why not? 
you know, as long as it's up to the quality of what you are, you know, you're currently putting out. Right. That's the thing is I just want it. I want it to be quality. So, you know, we don't get a bad Yelp review because of some location that's just not doing it right. (laughs) Absolutely. So I want to ask you, uh, you have a clothing line as well. Like you're, you're very, you know, business savvy here with all the different things you're doing. (laughs) So what's with the clothing line and what, what inspired you to start it? Yeah. So with this, I'm very much into writing affirmations. I feel like that got me really far in my belief of self and just personal development. So I write things like, you know, I'm a successful singer songwriter. I attract love everywhere I go. Um, I have uh, successful businesses that, you know, create a passive income and a fulfilled life, like things like that. And so I have them, you know, in my shower, I have them on my phone, on my desktop, I have them everywhere. And so I just thought that having them on your body would probably have the same effect. And so I was out shopping one day for uh, t-shirts for the dance class just to be comfortable in and I saw this whole row of T-shirts that were like, you know, my boyfriend's hotter than you or you can't sit with me or like bling, bling, money, money, this or whatever. And I was like, eh, not really my style. And then among them, I saw one that said, think positive. And it was the only one in like one size, mm. one T-shirt sitting there. Think positive. I was like, I love this shirt. And so I bought it. I was wearing it and um, I, it totally worked. I was out one day. I was running late. The air was low in my tire. So I had to stop at the gas station. There was a huge line for the air thing. I was just like freaking out. And so I go up to the attendant and I'm stepping up on a curb. And as I look down, I see the words think positive. And I just start laughing. And I'm like, I need to chill out. <laughs> and I did. And everything ended up going well on that day. And I got to my interview on time and whatever. And everything was great. And it, it really made a shift for me. And so I went out to look for more like that and I couldn't really find them in stores near me. There was a lot of things like, you know, you're a dreamer or you're a shooting star and there's like happy sayings, but not exactly what I wanted. And um, there's been things that have popped up online now, which are cool. Um, but I just, you know, I wanted to create them for myself. So, <laughs> so I did. Well, and, you know, there's also the thing of if you're wearing that shirt and you're like have a bad attitude, then people are going to call you out on it. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> So it's like a self-check kind of thing, yes. accountability. Yes. And so I ended up naming it Spirit Warrior because the term Spirit Warrior stands for one who combats the universal enemy, which is uh, which causes the ultimate source of suffering, which is self-ignorance. And I'm big into personal development, and I really resonated with that term because it is true. The more I got to know myself and my inner workings and thoughts and the more I could work on myself, the, the happier I became. So I called it Spirit Warrior, and there it lives online. There's uh, three shirts and designs right now. One is Less Judgy, More Levy. Um, <laughs> one is like Your Ego is Not Your Amigo. And the other one is you can sit with us, which is the opposite of that horrid T-shirt that I saw when I was shopping. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so it's there and, and I do love it and it's set up and anyone listening can go buy a shirt. Um, I, once I have more time, I want to make more designs. (laughs) My focus right now is obviously the music and, and the ultimate entertainer workshop, but that is third in line for my attention (laughs) when I can get to it. Well, you know, I, I post on the women of substance, like Facebook and Twitter, I post a lot of kind of inspirational sayings and I am amazed to see how much engagement I get on those because I think people are just craving that kind of positivity and they want to spread it around. Right. And so, you know, I just, I think that's great. I think that there's definitely, you know, a lot more you can do with that. And I'm excited to see what the, I love the sayings you already have. So, (laughs) you know, and as you know, there's like tons of inspirational sayings out there on the internet, but some of them are so trite. So it's hard to find one that's really like 
resonates. Right. And isn't too long. It isn't, too, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. So right. when you find them, they're gold. That's what I was trying to go for. It's, I'm glad you said that trite. I was trying to get away from that. I just wanted a little more substance to, to the sayings that I was putting on there. So I haven't had time to sit and think of more, but the ones I have, I just really love. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to let fact, this simmer. Those really, <laughs> those really go well with our brand at women of substance. Maybe I should have a link to your store. Yeah, you want to be like a woman of substance and, and, you know, post that on your body. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah, for sure. All right. It's a deal. <laughs> awesome. So I know you're a listener of this show, so you know what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you about your income streams. Cause I'm really curious you know, how I always tell people that, that, um, you know, as a musician, it's so important to have a diverse income streams and not just, you know, rely on only album sales or only performing, you know, we kind of have this cobbling together of income that makes it possible to be a musician. Right. So I'd love to hear kind of, and I know you have your web business too, but I'd love to hear kind of on the music side, how you're doing that. Yeah. So surprisingly, and I never would have guessed this in a million years, my number one source of income on the music side is session work. I mm-hmm. kind of fell into it. I don't even remember how. I think maybe, I, I don't even know. But where I get most of that income from nowadays is um, is through this site called Air Gigs. I was Googling around for more ways to you know get more income in, in that field. And just because it's so easy, like it's, you can just sit in your house and I have a, assuming you have the equipment. Yeah. If you have the equipment. Yeah. (laughs) But I did start, um, with lower budget equipment, which I feel like anybody can come up with the money to start something in your house. You know, just don't buy that Starbucks. Don't go shopping, like just dedicate. I've learned once upon a time to turn the word can't into it's not a priority. So Mm -hmm. if you switch that around, oh, I can't buy equipment. No, it's not a priority. So I made it a priority and I got some some budget equipment and through the air gigs and the session work, I've been able to buy, you know, better equipment. And I have like my dream set up now, which I love. But um, this site is where I get a lot of it from. Um, It's just a virtual place where people can hire uh, session musicians to do stuff. And and it's really safe for the buyer and for the user. And then sites like that, like soundbetter.com is another one that I've started getting stuff through. And I don't advertise it at all, which is kind of exciting because it takes no time for me. Like I just people appear in my inbox wanting to buy the song, which is great. If, if I had more time to market this, I'm sure I could do even more. But it's not really on my list of things to do more. So of. <laughs> is this you? Are you re- you're recording vocals for them? Do they give you the? Yeah. So I've set it up in a way that I don't do any writing. I don't do top lining or melodies or any of that. I could, but it takes up way too much of my time, and I just don't. Oh yeah. Have that kind of time. So all I offer is they have to come to me with the song already written. So they give me the lyrics, they give me the backing track, and then they give me a vocal reference. And that could be in many forms. Sometimes it's them plucking out the melody on a keyboard along with the backing track. Sometimes it's them you, actually... S- you usually hope for the uh, the keyboard because I, I do this too. Oh. Um, and yeah, like when somebody... There's clearly a reason that they asked you to sing for them yeah. because they're... I mean, they're just not a singer. Yeah. And sometimes I have a really hard time picking out what they're saying the melody is. Yeah, it's... So I've started kind of thinking maybe I should require that they pluck it out on some instrument. It's funny that, that that's your preference because I've gotten them in both ways. And even if they're a terrible singer, I really like the other way. 
for me, I guess just seeing where they put the words and I don't know, even if they suck, it's kind of easier for me to to follow that because I get where they're going, even if they maybe live. I'll have to let you listen to some of the ones I've got. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I agree with you. You know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like it shows their their intent. Yes. Or how they want it to sound. But yeah, it's so much intent and so not, you know, right. Exact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's made it a really straightforward process for me. And and I'm all about um, work smarter, not harder and focus on the things that you're good at. Your brilliance work, you know, I, yes, I'm yes. genius or however you want to say. Yeah. It. Yeah. Like I'm good at a lot of things, but and, and a lot of people are good at a lot of things, but you're only really great, you know, at, at certain things. And I'm really great at singing, I feel. <laughs> and the the writing and the melodies, like I reserve that for me. I feel like I only have so much yeah, juice for no, that. <laughs> I agree. I wouldn't want to give that away. Right. I've done that. I've done it before, but I feel like I need, like, like you said, like I only have so much energy and time and creativity left. Right. Save it for myself. So what percentage do you think is that session work right now? It's like probably too big for my comfort. It's like probably 80%. <laughs> Wow. And I didn't even like imagine that it just happened. And, and I guess also because a lot of times I'll offer, um, like, yes, I sell my music and that, that makes some income for me, digital sales, physical sales, streaming. We all know how that goes. It's like, (laughs) so that makes some stuff, but I mean, the session work, you can just, it's, you know, I charge $300 a song, which I feel like is a huge bargain. And, um, and apparently others do too, because they hire me for it. And so it's just, it's just bigger, easier money than 99 cents a song, you know? So, oh yeah. And for my music too, sometimes, you know, I'll give it away or, or, Hey, if you come to my show, I'm handing out, you know, free singles or whatever. Like I'll use it as incentive and the music, I never really put the pressure for it to make so much music. I am getting into licensing. I landed like my first tiny little deal. My songs are playing in the UK at some shopping mall for like, Mm. I don't know, 50 bucks. But (laughs) Um, so I want to get into that. And that's my next goal is is that because otherwise, hey, at least when you approach people now, you can say, yes, I've had a placement. I know I can. I have the check, too. And it says, you know, (laughs) all this stuff. And I want to frame it. And my goal is to make that check check much bigger. So um, mm-hmm. that's that's my next goal. And in a perfect world scenario, I would actually love for a lot of my income, yes, to come from the digital sales, but um, but the passive income. Um, of- yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we all want. I think. Isn't it? Awesome. Well, oh my gosh, I I just love hearing all of this. So, are you actually performing live much these days? That's true. I used to, in the past, that would have been my main source of income. I performed like a mad woman and made good money, but it was just a lot of work and a lot of effort. And I wasn't able to concentrate on my writing as much. And so I have realized that I love to perform, but on my terms and when I want. So <laughs> I I stepped back from that. So I don't make much from that. I perform maybe twice a month. I've kind of put that cap on myself that, you know, I have a band now with my dad actually lives in Austin. We've never been able to play music together, even though we're both musicians. So we're in a band for the first time together. And it's just a dream come true. And I've told him and and he understands, too, he has a full time job that I don't want to perform any more than twice a month. And at select venues, that makes sense for me. And and, um, you know, we'll further things along. And but so, no, I don't make much income off of that right now. Awesome. Well, that's it's good to know. I mean, it just depends on what kind of lifestyle you want. Yes, I think. Yeah, I agreed. Different folks, different strokes. 
Right. So do you have a book that you would recommend, you know, either that helped you with your music business, maybe like personal development or songwriting, anything that, that really sticks out to you that you think our listeners would like to check out? Yes. I recommend this book to everybody. And I've read so many books since, and I still cannot stop recommending this book. And it's called The Four Agreements. Have you heard of it? I have not. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. And it's a short read, totally digestible. And it's by Don Miguel Ruiz. And The Four Agreements it would be along the lines of personal development, but it just totally rocked my world and changed my mindset. And I feel like was the catalyst for a lot of things musically that happened for me. And I suggest everybody pick it up because it is shorter. And if you don't get anything out of it, no, no harm, no foul. And it, the possibility of it changing your world too is, is very high. So I recommend the four agreements. Mm, that sounds really good. I need to check that out. Do you know if there's an audio version? Yes, that's, um, I've, oh, I've, yeah, I'm all about the audiobooks. So yeah, there's me audio. too. And then this, while I'm working out, you know, yes. And then the seven habits of highly effective people. I really love that one too. That one helped me write my personal life mission statement, which changed a lot for me. So I'd recommend that one too. That's great advice. Well, let our listeners know how they can find you and how they can remind them again, how they can find your, your t-shirt line and how they can find the ultimate entertainer workshop. Yeah. So, um, you can find all things regarding my music and even, um, my workshop and my clothing line. I linked link out to from my website and that's audreymusic.com. And then, um, for the workshop, that's a dancing singer.com. And the clothing line is spirit warrior shop.com. There's really no other singers out there named Audrey. Um, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, there is. And I totally screwed up when I first released my music. I released it under just Audrey. And there's mm. like 5 million Audrey's out there. And nobody could find my stuff. And it probably totally hurt my sales. And I tried to go tell iTunes, hey, just add my last name. And as you know, it doesn't work like that. So <laughs> I had to re-release. Yeah. Luckily, I found out after my first song. So all of my music is released under Audrey Callahan. I just haven't uh, changed my domain name yet. So I want to, I will eventually change it to AudreyCallahan.com or something like that. Or you could have both. But I mean, th th that's so important, I yes. think, because you know, the number of artists that I see on Women of Substance, thousands and thousands of artists, it's constantly, I, I think to myself, why, why did you use one name? Like I cannot find you anywhere, you know, yeah. or there's, you know, 50 people named this and I just don't know if this is you, you know? Yes. I rue the day that I released my music uh <laughs> under my first name. Don't do it. So yeah, I use Audrey Callahan on everything now. Ah. <laughs> uh. Good advice. Good advice. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad I was able to get you on the show. Yes. And I know you're a fan of the show, which I, which I love. Huge fan. Super fan. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So, you know, just, I love that you're doing this ultimate entertainer workshop. I just want to encourage anybody that is interested in that to, you know, get some information on that because, you know, if you're in the Southern California area and if not, and you're, you're in a different area and you feel inspired to talk to Audrey about, you know, thinking about starting another one, just, you know, let her know. Yes. Let me know. I really want to start ones elsewhere. So if you have an interest, then yes, please let me know. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. You. And of course I'm playing your music right now on women of substance. So we will definitely be in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a blast. You're welcome. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. 
female entrepreneur musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.